0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the podcast of champions.
0: We back the 30. down to the 20. Oh, the is out on the field!
2: I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online.
0: And here he goes! Miles
2: Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com.
0: Liner going to try to sneak it ahead.
2: Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast
1: of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on
2: the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. That's the USC site on the said 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. We did a show maybe about a week and a half ago, but we had a Zoom meeting of the, the Pac-12 fans. And it was really fun. We'll talk about that. There's been some webinars this week. All the Pac-12 coaches, we've heard from them or at least I have. Uh, and then so we'll, we'll talk about some of the news and notes that came out of those meetings. If you have any questions for us, please email us packs, twelve podcast at gmail.com or call or text us at four, two, four, five, three, two, zero, six, seven, eight. We'd love to hear from you, answer your questions. You can also tweet us at pack twelve podcast. The website is packs dot podcast.com. And we had a Reddit page, reddit.com slash R slash podcast of champions. We posted the, uh, video up there as well. And Dave created a, we have a, a YouTube page. Now we didn't have one before. Now we got it. Now we got to do videos. Dave, we got a YouTube page. We do. It's amazing. Brave new world here on the podcast of champions. Yes. You're, you're still in your, like, try to screw me up early mode. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I'm kind of, you, you. I'm kind of pissed honestly. Cause I, I did a lot of work to screw you up on the intro and then you rolled with it and actually changed yours too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like it was so
1: natural. Like you were just like, okay, well then I'm going to give you new words too. And now I'm just kind of reeling from that.
2: <laughs> um, well, one thing we got to be reeling from what we need, this is the, the top everything off. I had a meeting with the, the minds of the podcasting minds at 24 seven sports. We need to get more reviews with all used to call iTunes, Apple podcasts. So if you have an iPad, if you have an iPhone, any kind of, you have a Mac, use the podcasting app, go to podcast of champions, leave us five stars, leave us something in there. If you leave a question in the review, we will answer that first before we even start anything. We want to get more reviews that really helps grow this show. Uh, I think the show Dave has a ton of potential. We reach a whole pack. 12, you cover UCLA. I cover USC. We just cover one school. This is the whole pack. 12. We need to grow it. So our loyal listeners, please go in there and go to, to the Apple any Apple product you have, go to the podcast. If, if you've got an old iPod with a screen, see if you can get on there. Yeah, we we need it. Um, I I'm not an iPhone person. I do have an iPad that I uh, do all our things on, so I can uh, leave reviews on there. But yeah, man, we we need the review. So please do it. Do it every every now and then.
1: Basically, every time I check the reviews myself, I just hit five stars every single time. I don't know if it does anything, but I do it.
2: How often can you review? I don't know,
1: but every single time it says, thanks to your review. So I'm assuming I'm doing it every time. Nice. Yeah. Um, Um, We do have a new review. Do you want me to read it to you? That would be amazing. Yes. And this is something we can promise you, the listener. If you review our show, we will read it to you at whatever painstaking length you write. I don't think (laughs) I've abbreviated a review yet. No. This is from King's Fan from the P. I love the ones that are from your site because they always identify themselves, they always say from the P. Yeah, they I don't never know why. say they never say from the Premium Football Forum for bro.
2: They never do that. It's you guys need a, P. you guys need a better name.
1: Yeah, you got to name it. Yeah, this is a five star review. Um, subject line: Five Star Podcast, and stars do matter. Uh, authoritarian Dave can dish a soul crushingly negative take on nearly any topic. His rants tend to make me feel like the guy in the movie Airplane who doused himself with gasoline and is ready to strike a match. He'll make a somewhat valid point every once in a while just to make it interesting. Ryan is the fun one. Need a laugh? Ryan's your guy. Want them to do something that requires work? Ryan's your guy. Need a meal delivered? Ryan's your guy. And Ryan is strong. He has to be because he carries David's fat butt every week. Definitely worth a listen glowing review i like it Fans until the, the fat
2: butt part you know like
1: i, I mean yeah. it's fine it's fair it's fair king's fan from the p i mean <laughs> we're talking we're talking literal we're talking figurative there like there's a lot going on
2: <laughs> uh but thank you for the review and we we desperately need those so i i know i re- i requested that on the peristyle podcast and david was unhappy but i also requested here so yeah now, David won't go out and, and ask for this. I have to do it. So once when I asked for the, the USC podcast, he was sort of mad that I didn't ask for the Pac-12 podcast. Too, well, look, so. I, I have a brand to keep up, which is a lack of general <laughs> thirst for
1: these things. But yours, you 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 have no compunctions about just going in, hey, review my podcast. And, and for you to insult me and insult our 12 listeners by only um, – <laughs> only soliciting reviews for the peristyle podcast i gotta tell you it hurt it It, hurt me it hurt our relationship and i think it hurt some of our friends out there some of our 12 friends who listen to this
2: show well we had more than 12 because we had about 25 or 30 or something on our zoom uh meeting that came together and uh i i think i came on like a minute late or right about on time. And there was already, it was like already a full screen and I was shocked. I'm like, Holy yeah, it account. was,
1: it was overwhelming. I got in there and there were already like, cause I got in there a couple minutes early. Cause that's who I am. I'm punctual. Um, not like Ryan. Uh, yeah. but I got in there a couple minutes early and there were already like a dozen people in there. Now I think we ended up, I think at different points there were probably what, about 40 people in there,
2: 30, 40, something like yeah. that. That's, it was pretty good. Um, yeah. we put the video up, you can see it. um, Hitler Day was on there. He, he said Chained. a couple of
1: things with a deep, booming voice of God type thing going on.
2: Yeah, which I everyone said it was going through like a reverb machine or something. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't really him. And then oh yeah, chain. We had John Abrea. We had, uh, we had uh, Andrew, the, the man with the eye charts. Yeah, the Bluebeard. and he, you know, yeah, he was like, oh, I'm an Ohio State fan. He changed his background or something, and we're like, blue I don't, beard I mean, Bluebeard threw down the gauntlet on Blue me beard. yeah he wants you to go to a game i want to go to a game with Bluebeard. beard yeah um, that was pretty fun but you can check out the whole video up on dot podcast.com or on our reddit page uh i believe we tweeted it out too so you can find it on our twitter page but just dot com if you want to watch the the video people everyone was drinking um it was fun i don't know yeah. if There was anything stand out to you or
1: no, it was just a lot of fun. A lot of fun talking to uh to the people, you know. We're men of the people. Uh, it was great.
2: No, it was a really good time. Really good time. We should do it again. There was some people. Um, I think it was. Amy came on. She like tweeted us like the day before, and like I really like the show. Uh, was it? She's a, the Utah fan, right? Did I get? Yeah, she's I think, a Utah. She's a Utah fan. Yep. Yeah. Yes, so she came on and was participating, and, and had to drop off at some point. We had some some lurkers come in early and drop out um some people that didn't share their videos so they were sort of like at the bottom of the zoom like um, Hedliday. yeah Hitler Day was down there uh i think a couple people i think it was this one guy i forget what his name was there was a guy and there was a gr- uh, a young gr- uh, woman that came on and then they looked i think they both had a drink in their hand and then they, they, but they didn't stay very long they like had enough and they left so i don't know who they were but if you're listening you know, sorry if we scared you away or whatever, but there was, there was definitely some people I think that checked it out and said, eh, I'm out.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> I imagine that's the case with this podcast. And I'm by this podcast, I mean this show right now because we are recapping a Zoom call. So that's what
2: we spent, hang on.
1: That's what we spent the first like eight minutes of this show doing is recapping a Zoom call.
2: Well, we previewed it for quite a while, We what we wanted to do. <laughs> then we get in there and we're like, <laughs> so what do we do? I'm like, I don't know. We're, hey, everybody, let's have a drink. So, you know, but it, yeah. I think it went well. We People got to chime in. We tried to call on people. And yeah, was it was great. No, it was I'll a lot to, of fun. We'll do another one. Uh, yeah, a, we will. Yeah,
1: uh, I mean, at this rate, we'll probably do several before there's another football game.
2: Yeah. Well, we got to okay. talk about that. So the Pac-12 this week, uh, I like that. So we we can be critical of Pac-12, but I like that they came out and did this. Uh, they did a webinar series and basically four days. And this this is why we kind of delayed the show this week. We kind of wanted to wait uh, to see what all the coaches said. So, so Ryan
1: to... could watch all of these press conferences and right. report back to
2: all of us. I assume Dave was going to, but uh, so, something came up. No 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 no, 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 no.
1: So I know how much you like to watch. Uh, spring spring games, right? I know nice. how much that is your brand. You want to watch those spring games. And I know there aren't spring games this time around. So what, what other thing is there that could feel like a spring game to you? Listening to coaches talking to a webcam. I think that's right up your alley. And I wanted you to be able to fully explore that space on your own. I didn't want to overshadow you. I wanted you to be able to really experience this one.
2: Well, I appreciate that. I'm a selfless, I'm a selfless co-host. What can I say? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, I mean, I'm not going to say, I liked it. I liked that they did it. Yogi Roth uh, from the Paco Network was the host. Uh, they did 15 minutes. So it was only 30 minutes, except today's went longer for some reason. Um, 15 minutes of like Yogi questions and then 15 minutes of media questions. And some of them, they would ask like every coach, everything possible. Uh, I'll give you a few notes. So on Monday... We had uh, Stanford's David Shaw, uh, Clay Helton from USC, and uh, Nick Rolovich from Washington State. Obviously, the big—if you guys saw on Twitter—Nick Rolovich had the, the huge cougar like sitting next to him. So that was there was a lot of uh, tweets with pictures of that. That that probably stood out the most. He was uh, very entertaining. Um, I think the Pac-12 was lucky to get a guy like him. So you lose a big personality like Leach, but uh, Rolovich comes in, and I thought he was he was funny. But maybe. Big notes like uh, Clay Hilton was asked about uh, only playing, well, all the coaches were asked about playing only a conference schedule, and Clay Helton talked about that, um, and David Shaw sort of followed up with, Clay Helton talked about, yeah, that's something that's come up, there's been a lot of contingency plans, that was one of them, uh, and David Shaw talked about sort of the postseason, how that would be, expanded playoffs and things like that, so that was, that sort of got some some news and some buzz from the first day. But I thought Shaw probably had the best quote of uh, the entire series where he said, um, I think where we are is the definition of a fluid situation. Every state's going to be different. Every campus is going to be different. So it's it was one of those things where you just kind of wait and see. And I thought he he summed it up pretty well.
1: Yeah, I mean, having David Shaw say the most, uh, you know, thoughtful thing seems about right. I'm more interested in these guys' facial hair because we had a lot of speculation uh, coming into this series over who was going to be growing a quarantine beard. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at the screen cap right now, and obviously Rolovich has a good one. Like he's got that he's got that great like kind of werewolfy looking beard with the uh, with the gray in there. Sean Helton, are both disappointing me here, and frankly, Yogi Roth is really disappointing me here. He is clean shaved as like a
2: baby's bottom.
1: What's going on here? What are these dudes doing? Are they waking up every day and shaving?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Why? Uh, uh, to what end? I got a pretty good beard going. I like it.
1: No, yours uh, is good. I saw it the other day. It was great. Uh, what? What is this?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I have to go back and look at the picture. So
1: No, Hel- Shaw looks as baby-faced as the day he was born. Clay Helton, I, I don't know if he can grow any. But Yogi, I can see... I can see on the image that he's got at least the ability to grow a mustache, but no, that thing is shaved down. What the hell, guys?
2: Yeah, I don't know. So we uh, we should probably bring, that should have been one of the questions, like where are your pro, uh, quarantine beards? You know.
1: Uh, well, I, honestly, I, I'll, I'm skipping ahead here, and I'm I'm sorry I'm doing it, but it's a lot of disappointment. Every day of this is a disappointment, and we're gonna get through them all. But frankly, i I'm I'm, I'm I'm pretty pretty peeved with the coaches in the Pac-12
2: yeah so so yeah Clay is clean I'm looking back at the picture now yeah it's only Rolovich even uh Dave Hirsch the uh communications yeah guy, no he's, it's, it's complete dog crap yeah like they should so, be ashamed of themselves that's uh yeah don't like that um okay well let's go to and uh, wait, 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 wait,
1: your your boy Clay was he begging off the Alabama game because that's what it sounded like to me from what I was oh. reading from what he said
2: So, you know, our Dan Weber wrote a a kind of a a column that he just hates that idea. I don't like the Pac-12, like I would rather, now this was a question and to be fair to Clay, no one was really jumping in answering. So he just kind of stepped up and answered the question. I would rather not have the coach that has a Alabama Notre Dame out of conference schedule say something about that. I'd rather have one of the coaches that has like three patsies on the schedule, just be able to talk about that. Because Then, yeah, it doesn't look good, you're like, oh, you don't want to play Alabama um you know, so yeah, I, I don't think that's what he was saying. Does he secretly hope that they doesn't have to play Alabama, maybe I guess, but uh, I don't know, but it, yeah i I thought that was something that could have been handled a little bit better, but that you know it's one of those things its just it was the question that was asked, and uh no one was really you know jumping at that to to answer it so uh you know, Stanford plays Notre Dame also I don't Washington state, I don't think they have. Uh, do you have their schedule in front of you? I don't think they have a, a great, you know, non-conference slate, if I remember correctly.
1: Washington State football schedule 2020. Yeah. But, the only uh, thing better than searching um, while we are recording a podcast is reading off the search terms. Yeah. Uh, they have Utah State, Idaho, and Houston.
2: Yeah. So I think uh, Houston's pretty good. But that, that would probably have been a better one for Rulovich. But he's the new coach, too. Is he going to come in and say, yeah, we're talking— The good thing is there's tons of communication They're They're going through all kinds of contingency plans. Uh, I wouldn't say that it was like Clay Houghton saying, yeah, let's go with a a 11 game conference only schedule Um, because, you know, still there's some long travel in there. USC doesn't play Washington State this year. If they go on the road play in Pullman, what's that like 300 miles shorter than going to Arlington? It's not like it's that much closer, but um, I I think they want to have football and they just have to look at all the potential options. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Tuesday, we had, uh, Colorado's Carl Durrell, uh, Utah's Kyle Whittingham and Washington's, uh, Jimmy Lake. I didn't take a ton of notes from this one. Carl Durrell to me didn't look like he was wearing Colorado gear, which I thought was maybe it was lower, but everyone else you could tell which like, if you didn't know what team he coached, you wouldn't know from like looking at him. I don't, did you notice that? Um,
1: I'm noticing it, um, looking at him. He's the one who looks like he's really, like, hardcore just doing this from his, like, his home office. Like, and and not his home office where he coaches football, but his, like, home office where he, like, writes novels and stuff. Um, (laughs) Like, Jimmy Lake's, like, if you look at the screenshot of this one, Jimmy Lake's in front of a whiteboard with some obvious, like, football crap on it. Uh, Kyle Whittingham's clearly on a MacBook Pro, and he has the Utah background in the background. Uh, But Carl... Like, he's sitting kind of askew, just a random door, some framed photo, his actual computer behind him. I don't know what's going on there, but he's got, like, his iMac behind him and whatever he's recording this thing on in front of him. Um, And then from a facial hair standpoint, you've got – Whittingham's got a little bit of a goatee thing going on, I'd say. It's hard to tell. His resolution isn't great, but I would call it a goatee um jimmy lake's got a full beard full good beard i would say uh carl's got nothing absolutely nothing (laughs) um and again and again um yogi clearly didn't shave as well on this day as he did the previous day but still not a beard come on buddy if you pick one or the other if you're going to be one of those clean shaven dudes every day be one of those clean shaven dudes every day but don't don't like mess around in that weird middle ground where it's just itchy don't do that
2: No, let it let it grow, let it grow. Yeah, Whittingham, I thought like you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he could probably grow a beard overnight, right? And go yeah, for, yeah, yeah, wrestle up yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. So he's there, he made a decision, I think, to go with some sort of grooming to that beard, some kind of uh, I uh, yeah. So I don't know, I'm not sure what's going on there. But I, li- you know, I'm not going to say I'm a little disappointed because he could grow it tomorrow, but. It's true. You know, it's true, and
1: he might do that if he hears that you're disappointed, just to spite you.
2: <laughs> and suddenly he actually,
1: tomorrow, he's got a better beard than you
2: do. Yes, in like one day. Uh, Whittingham went on uh, Paul Feinbaum today too. wasn't super interesting, but it was just, you know, it was something. Uh, you know, him getting out there a little bit. So it's good to get a little Pac-12 flavor uh, in the SEC network. Um, so, yeah, I think. also oh, I think Kyle. Well, who did this? Uh, uh, yeah, I think, uh, for Kyle Whittingham was talking about the inequities in college football. So one of the topics, the bigger topic for this day was what if one school, one state can do something and another state can't, um, everyone kind of talked about, I think they wanted equality for as far as like, when you start, like have everyone start. But Kyle Whittingham was like, Hey, if, uh, if we could, you know, if our kids can work out and he didn't say specifically California, but like we don't want to tell our kids like, Oh, don't work out because the kids in California can't, you know Uh, if there's an opportunity for these guys to come together and do things, he was all for that. So I don't know where you, he said, he said, there's already a whole bunch of inequities in college football, um, you know, where you are and things like that. So this would just be another one. It's a crazy time. I wouldn't want to see players that would have a chance to get better, not do it because in another state, they they can't yet. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. If, if, you know, certain states decide they're, you know, free to practice and the whole thing, then why wouldn't you? Um, It's more equitable for the kids, certainly. Um, But, you know, it's there's the whole public health aspect of it. But I mean, I don't like the the Pac-12 or like the Pac-12, like instituting a policy that you can't practice until all the schools can practice or whatever it would end up being. I mean, that's not their role. I mean, they're not that's not the role they should be playing with this. If the states say it's okay, then the Pac-12 should be like, okay, let's figure out a way for you guys to play then. Um, Now, whether the states are being responsible in doing that, that's a whole other ball of wax. But if the states open up, then what role can the Pac-12 play in, in figuring that out? And I think it's in that situation, if, you know, all the SEC schools are getting ready to play football and they're showing no signs of abating on that. And Utah is in the same boat as, say georgia is where they're opening up then it's not fair to the utah kids to not let them play if yeah. they're trying to build towards an nfl career or whatever it is yeah
2: how's your state doing man oh gorgeous beautiful georgia and nice. all its magic you can go get your hair cut
1: now or what yeah, yeah
2: no i can i can get a
1: tattoo i can go bowling <laughs> great
2: nice well we can go to the beach now the beach is opened up this week
1: isn't that great isn't that wonderful?
2: It is. I don't um, like the beach. Beach sucks. Yeah. That's dandy. strange. I know. Yeah. Uh, good thing you left. You know, that's gets you out of here. You don't like the beach. It is good. It's very um, good. That's what I think. Every day, I think that's good. It's good that I left California. Um, when, Wednesdays was probably the most fun. So you had ASU's Herm Edwards. You had uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Smith from Oregon State. And you had Chip Kelly from UCLA, who actually was pretty fun uh in this one. I, I tweeted out a pretty good screenshot of this one. And uh it's so if you didn't see it, you got John, Jonathan, Jonathan Smith with like all the like a library behind him. And like from the very beginning, it just uh Chip Kelly was talking about I only have one book. I don't know that Jonathan he's doing all this studying over there. I have one book and it's Herm Edwards book You Play to Win the Game. And he's holding it up and they're all laughing and stuff and Yogi's laughing and uh the screenshot I got is at the end when they were talking about that book again. Herm shows his copy of it. Uh Chip has his copy up and, and Jonathan's just laughing with all his uh literature behind him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's 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 fun how Chip can turn on the charm for these sorts of things. He did uh, I thought he uh, would and, yeah. and then be just absolute dick. Um <laughs> to, in any kind of like traditional media scrum. It's really
2: it's it's cool. But as um, far as uh, beards go, this was probably the weakest day.
1: Yeah, you say. have you have Herm Edwards growing the classic dad stash, like just <laughs> just does not move beyond like the corners of his smile, but it's right there. Uh, and then you've got Jonathan Smith. Jonathan Smith is looking like the main character in
2: The Americans here. Did you ever watch The Americans? I I, I wanted to. I have not.
1: Yeah, I think is his name Peter. Hang on.
2: But he looks like
1: Philip, Philip. He looks Philip. like Philip from the Americans. Everyone go to the video of the Herm Edwards, Chip Kelly, Jonathan Smith uh, webinar and look at Jonathan Smith. He looks like dead ringer for Philip from the Americans. Like same kind of receding hairline, same kind of pinched expression. Like the whole thing is just dead on.
2: Yeah. Uh, but it looks like he, not only did he shave, he came from like the barber and got straight edged. Like he was, you know, like in uh, the hot foam and everything. Like oh, he I just looks like.
1: I don't think he can grow anything.
2: Oh, so you think it's that? Okay.
1: Yeah. And Chip, it's always hard to tell, especially on video, whether or not he has his blonde stubble. Um, looking at this one, yeah, I wouldn't say so. Doesn't look like it. Yeah. So uh, he's also this... recording this. So Chip looks like he's outdoors. I think is, he is. Is he like, against a wall outdoors at UCLA? Is that what I'm seeing here?
2: I don't know if that's UCLA. It's that those bricks, um, but I see some like lattice in the background. Uh, yeah, that looks what like I'm more of a yard. Is that uh, maybe that's maybe UCLA. it's a yard?
1: Maybe it's a yard. I, I know that brickwork. It's similar to some stuff that's at UCLA, but oh, okay. Maybe maybe it's at at home. Herm's yeah. in the office. That's what we can we can say that yeah. pretty definitively there. He looks yeah. like he's in the football office. Jonathan Smith is almost hundred percent at home. You don't have libraries like that at work. Yeah. Jonathan uh, Smith is a reader. Like, look at that shelf. If you if you really want to analyze these things, that shelf is a reader's shelf. It's not organized. All of the like outward facing books aren't necessarily things you would want to be displaying. Like they're all kind of oddly colored. This isn't just for display and show. He's reading no. those books.
2: He's reading. He's actually getting his nose. He's in got head. a weird wooden globe
1: there. Is that the Death Star or is that just a globe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, what's going on here?
2: I know, it's an interesting one.
0: What
1: um, are those little blue, are those just picture frames? That he, did he take his family out of his picture
2: frames? Maybe they had a fight. I don't know. I'm what's sure. going on here?
1: Is he a very <laughs> private fellow except when he's displaying his 75 books on his shelf?
2: He's, uh, I mean, he was fun. Um, but yeah, I think he's, I think he's a reader. Uh, I think he had fun with it, but I don't know. I'm not sure what the, those little frame frame looking things are in the, in the shop. Okay. All right. Uh, but this,
1: meanwhile, meanwhile, Yogi has like the way his kitchen looks, it looks dirty and I know it isn't like, I'm looking at the details of it, but you see what I mean? Like, it looks like it's a little unkempt and I think it's the way the like light is flowing in. The lack of curtain work i don't know but maybe no kitchen in the background
2: he's yeah that's a weird one he's moving to, i don't know if that's the old place or the new place um so they were actually we heard this morning on the call or earlier today on the call there was you know they were asking questions before it started because uh someone was late but we'll get to that in a minute but yeah he was talking about his wife's seven months pregnant and uh oh man they're moving and all this stuff so yeah they're he's he's got some stuff going on. So I don't know if that's like the old place or the new place, but he's in the process of moving. Yeah,
1: I get Um, it. I get it, man.
2: But the, so this one Wednesday was interesting because there was like different state, there's different restrictions in the state. So you had Oregon who had already banned, uh, large gatherings through September. You had Arizona who obviously said, Hey, let's have a professional sports start this week. And you had California with Chip Kelly where they you know, the Cal state system had just, Uh, shut down so chip kelly pointed out that ucla is not in the cal state system uh they're 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 the uc system so it doesn't impact them uh but i thought that was the kind of interesting dynamic because all the states had different you know uh, restrictions going on
1: that is interesting
2: that is interesting
1: yeah was he saying that in a joking way or as if he had just discovered that ucla was not in the cal state (laughs) system
2: i'm pretty sure it was a joking way yes um yeah uh, and then Jonathan Smith agreed with uh, Whittingham about the starting early if you can, you know, like doing weights and stuff. But the, he, he felt that practices should all be about the same time. But if players can work out uh, with their teammates, then he's all for that, too. So those are kind of like the the notes I got from that day.
1: Well, because frankly, I mean, Utah has to prepare for a potentially, potentiality that they play, but the Cal schools never do. Like the California schools just don't end up playing. Like, yeah, because that could happen. That's one of many scenarios that could play out here. Um, so, and the same goes for Oregon or or Washington, for that matter. There's very good. There's a there's at least a, a reasonable chance that certain states are going to be open, and those schools in those states will play football, and other states won't this yeah. year.
2: And then the last day we had, uh, like I mentioned before, Kevin Sublin from Arizona, uh, Justin Wilcox from Cal, and Mario Cristobal from uh Oregon I think this would be like the most fun group if you wanted to go out to a bar with these guys it would probably be them um again the the beard showing is just not great Wilcox brings it the other guys not so much Wilcox Wilcox definitely won the challenge I think it's between him and Jimmy
1: Lake but I think Jimmy Lake is more of a traditional beard grower Wilcox is not and yet he did he did really good work here um yeah, I would say <sighs> Cristobal clearly has got nothing. With Sumlin, the, the connection wasn't great, so it's hard to tell.
2: Does he have anything going on there? Sumlin looks like he's got um, Stubbly? like three gross... days growth. Yeah, sort of like pre-goatee, but the sides are like couple days growth sort of thing. So he's definitely been in the shaving rotation uh, recently. Yeah. I would say, but he had, uh, he had the, like the background of the campus behind him. Um, Wilcox has got some weird angle. He's too low. So you're seeing like the, the top, you see his ceiling and like,
1: Wilcox uh, looks like he's taking his in a dorm room. Like, it looks like he is in just some spare ugly room because of the angle.
2: Yeah. And And uh, Cristobal
1: looks like he's taking it from his bedroom.
2: Yeah. It's like a home office or a bedroom or something. And Yogi's back in his kitchen. Um, Chris Ball at least has a uh Oregon a helmet helmet. Yeah. yeah. One of but he might many. just
1: sleep with that on. You don't know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> he very well could. The um, so this one started late. So we did get to hear like the coaches sort of talk about um just their chatting about their families and stuff, uh, because Kevin Sublin wasn't on. So we had Yogi, Wilcox, and Christopher kind of going back and forth. That's when Yogi talked about having a kid and stuff, you know, coming up Um, and they're waiting for someone. So he couldn't like figure things out. And then um, you, you're kind of looking at it and it was, it was funny. He seemed distracted. I I noticed that. And then Matt Prem, who covers Oregon, he tweeted out like, so what recruits Kevin Sumlin uh, texting DMing when he's not answering questions on this webinar, he's clearly multitasking now. And they tweeted out a picture with someone like looking down at his phone, like when he wasn't talking, a lot of the times he just wasn't looking. <laughs> he was doing something else. There was most of them were all clean, but there was the you know, I think his was the computer making like bings and stuff, like doing making noises and things. Um so he seemed a little distracted in this one to me.
1: That's pretty funny. It's pretty yeah. funny. I yeah. I, I would think they're all kind of um recruiting right now. So I don't know. Texting on your web call. I don't know. That's kinda yeah.
2: That's when you kind of give your complete attention for 30 minutes, you know? Yeah, you think Um, you could maybe swing
1: it for 30 minutes, but I don't know. When I have, like, work meetings on Zoom, I'm just, you know, half the time not really paying attention to. So I kind of get it. Yeah.
2: Um, One of the things came up, they asked about uh, pay cuts because Sumlin and uh, Cristobal, they they had announced uh, some kind of pay cuts, and they talked about, Hey, that's not hard it's, you know this is a situation where you just do what you got to do. it wasn't hard for them to do that. And Wilcox talked about it. so they Wilcox has not taken one yet, but he said for I mean they basically this is how screwed up the Cal system is. He's been talking to like the, the leaders there for like two months trying to figure out the best way to give back for him and other people other staff members and people of administration. they just haven't figured it out yet. and it's like, I don't know, get 10 percent less and give it back to the school like I don't know how hard that would be, but I, I, my impression was like, he hasn't taken one yet. He would like to, but there's like all this bureaucracy stuff going on. So he hasn't done one yet. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a PR thing. I mean, that's the whole reason to do it. I mean, it's not like 10% of Justin Wilcox's salary is even a drop in the bucket for what the U S the UC shortfall is going to be. Um, but because it is just a PR move, it's kind of weird that they haven't just done it
2: yeah yeah I, yeah, I don't know, but they he's been in talks. They've been trying to do this for two months, so I don't know why that uh, why that happened. Um, maybe he's full of shit <laughs> He's he they followed up with him asking him, so he had to clarify that no, he hasn't taken one yet. so there was a question on that.
1: Yeah, and maybe he was like, yeah, there's this whole long reason why I haven't taken a pay cut. It has to do with other people. I really want to give my money back. Have you ever known a situation where you really wanted to give your money away and people were like, no,
2: no, 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 sir.
1: Yeah. Don't give, don't, don't give us the money back.
2: <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, there was also some talk about uh, before someone came on, they, this was interesting. Wilcox and Cristobal were talking about like, and I think it was mostly with Cal, I, I guess with both because Oregon can't do gatherings, um, having their camps off, you know, out of state or off site, you know, somewhere else. And they had both talked about, they had done things similar in the past. And then they were asked about that question, uh, doing that. And so, and Wilcox basically just said, everything's on the table. So, uh, they've discussed preliminary logistics for doing a camp remotely, uh, potential sites and stuff were discussed, but it's just one of those contingency plans. So there, that's something they're at least considering Dave. Cause they're, you know, they're, you know, what if you couldn't practice in California?
1: Yeah, it would be really interesting. And even like county by county, I know there was that weird fiasco with L.A. County, like if they're and we'll still see. I mean, I know they walked the comments back a little bit, but like USC and UCLA. Well, maybe there's a stay at home in L.A. County, but maybe there isn't in San Bernardino. So could they just camp out in San Bernardino versus out of state? Um, So it could be a bunch of weird stuff that happens. And I think that's right. You've got to have every contingency on the table.
2: I think you have to. And it's one of those things. There's a lot of plans. Crystal said some at the end. He's got to wait and see. But there's a plan for everything there. They have a lot of contingency plans. Um, and Wilcox said, everyone wants to play. Everybody's intent on playing. We need to be working in, in concert with the other conferences in college football playoff to get us as normal experiences as we can. So uh, there's a lot of effort there. There's a lot of trying there. You know, it's above their pay grades as far as if you could play or not. But they're trying to come up with as many scenarios as possible to figure out a way to play. Yep. Absolutely. Um yeah. So that was good. I, I'm glad that they did that. Just get a little, you know, glimpse of what's going on there behind the scenes. Should we uh
1: Do you feel do you feel better now with do. you know you didn't get spring ball, but you got to hear from some coaches, you know, giving some empty platitudes, you got to hear updates on every single school. Like you gotta feel pretty good, right?
2: I feel pretty good. I did find myself, like, some of the stuff is just like, yeah, I get it. You know, they, they don't Honestly, I,
1: I read the transcript of the one that you termed the most interesting, quote unquote, the most interesting, Herm, Jonathan Smith, and Chip Kelly, and I want every one of those seconds
2: back. Every I, single one. It wasn't the most interesting. It was the most entertaining. Yeah,
1: But, like, six of one, half a dozen of the other? Because if it's the most entertaining, isn't that probably the most interesting too
2: um, well there was more interesting like tidbits coming out of like the first one or maybe the one today with the you know training camps off site like things like that little news you know blurbs got it. i liked got it but that one at least they were laughing and joking and you know got herm it. gave like at the very end herm gave like the sage advice to the world about what you need to do and stuff i should have wrote it down i forget what he said but you know they're about to leave and then Herm's like hold on and he gives like a you know a couple lines about what the world needs to do right now and stuff so it was you know it was was classic Herm that's great that's great and uh you know Chip was very cheery and fun and um chipper he was very chipper which like you said uh didn't didn't feel natural didn't sound supernatural but you know he was he was good great good for him good for everybody good for the world
1: Shall we do some questions now?
2: Yeah, let's jump in. What do you got? Um, I'll need to find where we left off. I think it's the What Happens First rivalry edition.
1: All right. This is from Garrett from the second most Western Virginia, West Virginia. Uh, Hello. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Hello, Ryan and Dave. Greetings from your loyal listener from North Carolina who recently moved from West Virginia. The plot thickens. Uh, My whole life, I have been a diehard West Virginia fan. With West Virginia consistently demonstrating mediocrity and false hope, becoming a fan of your podcast was a natural fit and really just makes me feel at home. I like it. Thank (laughs) thank you for your time to read my email. Below are hypotheticals that I would like to get your takes on, because what else do we really have to do right now? For each hypo below, what is your take on which will happen first? Ooh, these are the kinds we like. Yeah. Arizona, Arizona State. Arizona making a bowl game or Jaden Daniels getting drafted? jaden daniels is getting drafted potentially junior year right yeah so three years so we're talking two more years
2: so is arizona making a bowl game in the next two years i think i think daniels goes first because someone gets fired after this year they don't make a bowl game and and then then they're rebuilding yeah
1: okay daniel's drafted yeah i agree Colorado, Utah, Kyle Whittingham leaving from Utah or Carl Durrell leaving from Colorado. Does retiring count as leaving here? I think so. Yes. Then I'll, go Kyle, I'll go Kyle Whittingham leaving from Utah. Really? Yeah, I'll say he's he, what is he? He's almost 60 now, right? He's like 59. I think so. He doesn't strike me as one of those guys who's going to do it for friggin' ever. Uh, yeah, he's, he just turned
2: 60 this past year.
1: So call it three more years, maybe, and he retires.
2: I'm going to go with Carl on this one.
1: I don't know. You're just a hater. You're just a hater of former Denver Broncos wide receivers coaches turned head coaches. (laughs) And frankly, I'm not here for it. Uh, Carl Durrell is going to build a dynasty there in Boulder. Okay. uh, And and Kyle's going to ride off to the wind because he doesn't want to deal with that every year in his rivalry game.
2: How many years is uh Kyle Whittingham? coach? He's is it like fifteen at Utah now or something? Like Yeah, he's up to so he started in two thousand four. So yeah. he is
1: up to a solid
2: sixteen. When he was on I think it was it was well either the webinar or on the uh Feinbaum show. I mean, they talked about taking over for Urban Meyer. Like he took over for Urban Meyer, like that's how long it's been since he's been there. How crazy is that? That's wild. Yeah. Uh, doing a great job, obviously. There, I think, I think I did, yeah, I did some Utah radio this week, and we talked about that a little bit. But, um, yeah, so I'm gonna go with uh, Darrell because because you're I a mean, hater. I, uh, what? How long? You know, like, what did the last coach last? Like, how many coaches has Colorado had since Kyle Whittingham's been there? Like, oh, there've been a lot. So I'm gonna go with uh, Carl. Yeah, it's cool. Keep hating.
1: Uh, Oregon, Oregon State. Oregon winning a national championship or Oregon State winning the Civil War? Easy one. Oregon State. Yeah, obviously. Oregon State's going to win the Civil War maybe as early as this year. Wow. Maybe. I think they have a puncher's chance. And and they've won it in some weird situations.
2: Like, bad Oregon State teams have beaten Oregon. An Oregon that's, like, decent. So, that could happen. And you're talking about one thing. So, you need... On one side of this equation, you need 60 minutes to go your way. On the well, other on side on one side
1: of the equation, you need something to happen that hasn't happened in the Pac twelve in like 15 years. Yes. And on the other side, you need Oregon State to
2: do something it did like three years ago. <laughs> right. But it, even if Oregon State's bad and, and Oregon's good for the next decade, you just need 60 minutes to go your way. Right. Oregon has to have like basically two years go your way. Like you're building that up for, you know, to to make a run at a title. It's got everything's got to kind of go your way. Here's where we get interested.
1: Stanford okay. Cal David Shaw being fired or leaving Stanford or Cal winning the North division. Easy for me. Easy for you. Cal. Cal wow. could win this year. Cal R- could win this year, but I don't think they will win this year. And if they don't win this year, it
2: might be a couple of years. Um, David. So our buddy, I trust RJ. He said it was basically said, like, there's no way they would fire David Shaw.
1: Yeah, but I I think RJ I think RJ is like maybe maybe trying to reverse drinks that maybe.
2: maybe. Oh,
1: that's just my that's my pure speculation.
2: So after Cartman gave us the advice on on Edwards, I just try to listen to our experts. And when he says that, I'm going to just agree with him and say, all right, they're never going to fire David Shaw.
1: I'm going to go Shaw here. Whoa. Um, follow-up, Christian McCaffrey or Chase Garbers winning a Super Bowl MVP?
2: (laughs) Uh, easy Garbers. Like, it's Obviously
1: Garbers. (laughs) Obviously. Uh, USC-UCLA. UCLA UCLA winning two non-conference games in 2020, or USC winning one non-conference game in 2020. Schedules for UCLA and USC in hyperlinks. Look at this. All right, I'm, I'm gonna say it. Garrett from the second most Western Virginia, West Virginia, you are my new favorite listener. He linked us schedules. He didn't just ask us as if we have these things memorized. He linked them. And we cover these teams and he still linked them. (laughs) Beautiful. All right. USC has Alabama, New Mexico, and Notre Dame. UCLA has New Mexico State, Hawaii, and San Diego State. So in the theoretical world where all of these games are played, um, UCLA winning two or USC winning one? And oh saying, and which happens first? Ooh, okay, so this adds an interesting wrinkle. So USC's probably getting its first on Saturday, September 12th. Yeah. Will UCLA have two wins by then, which means they would have to have beaten New Mexico State and Hawaii. Hmm. Hawaii on the road. Yeah. USC well, I mean, I'm going to go USC here. Really? Yeah, I don't think I don't think UCLA is getting a clean sweep of those first two.
2: Yeah, because, like, I mean, you're not expecting USC to beat Alabama, but if USC beats Alabama, it just automatically wins. It, you'd have to assume USC loses to Alabama and then beats New Mexico State, which pretty much, you know, there's probably like a 90% chance or that, that that happens in that order. Yeah,
1: so what are they in that Bama game? They're probably like, what, puncher's chance, 10%, 15%, something like I that? I would
2: say something like that. They'll probably be like a 17, 20-point dog, something and like that. And they're
1: probably, what, 90, 95% over New Mexico? Yeah. Something like that. UCLA is probably 80, 90 percent over New Mexico State and then probably like 60 percent at Hawaii. Okay, something like that. So. There gets to be some complex math, because if UCLA did it, it wasn't it's not just a tie they would win. But I'm still got I still got to go with USC here because they will definitely get that that they will definitely get to the one. And I'm not sure UCLA will definitely get to the two.
2: Um, yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you on this one. I think the numbers work out USC, but that's a really good one. I like that. Yeah, that is, uh, um, okay.
1: All right. Washington, Washington state, Washington, losing the apple cup or Washington state hosting a power five opponent at home in Pullman hint, Wisconsin in 2023. Last one was Oklahoma state in 2008. Pretty sure. Okay. Okay what do you got Washington losing the apple cup huh because because uh Washington State's kryptonite Mike Leach is no longer there
2: so you think okay so you think that they they could lose the apple cup
1: I think they could Uh. Rolovich has got a little bit of swagger to him like in a way that you know Mike Leach was always going to run his system no matter what I'm just going to run my system I think Rolovich has got that kind of oh no, this is a bigger game than all the other games and we are going to get up for it and we're going to do some crazy stuff and we're going to have like, you know, do the whole like crazy Jim Mora stuff during the USC games. Uh, like just paint everyone's face in eye black. Um, it'll look problematic, but it'll get the guys pumped up and then suddenly they'll they'll beat Washington.
2: Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead on that one. So we have 2023. So over the next, you know, you know, 2021, 20, 22, 23. So next four seasons, we got to, Well, I guess three seasons because um, the Wisconsin game will be early in 2023 and the Apple Cups at the end. So you got three chances for Washington State to beat Washington. So I'll go with you on that one, too.
1: All right. And then bonus Dave being satisfied with a UCLA football head coach or Dave overpaying for his child's college tuition. All right. So my eldest child is going to be in second grade, assuming we continue to live in a world where there are things like grades and schooling um, this coming fall. So she has, what would that leave her? Like another 10, 11 years of schooling? Is that what it is? Yeah. Is that, is that the math I'm doing in my head? I think you're Very, right. Wonderful. Another 11 years of schooling. Will I be satisfied with a UCLA head coach in the meantime? So let's assume Chip Kelly is fired, right, in the next two years, somewhere in that range. What are the odds UCLA has the budget? The the wherewithal to make a good hire. My expectations will be a lot lower after after dealing with the Chip Kelly era. They're okay. already pretty low. I'm honestly hopeful that there isn't a football season. That's how, that's how low they are. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go satisfied with the UCLA football head coach. I know it's right. optimistic.
2: That is optimistic. But I'm going with it. Yeah, I think he would be, too, at some point. Yeah. Because um, it's going
1: to be 11 years before I'm overpaying for my child's college tuition.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a while. You, there'll be some. There'll be at least one you like in there. Maybe Carl Durrell comes back. You know, who knows?
1: I mean, in 11 years, UCLA could go through three or four coaches. Yeah, <laughs> that is true.
2: Uh, and then seen... he says, keep up the mediocre work, stay safe, let's go Mountaineers. All right. Uh, we got Kevin wrote in. Get to the good stuff already. Boys. So I'm listening to all this BS about Goody Two Shoes presidents. Boring. Let's juice it up. How about a ranking for the top five scandalous, salacious guys who probably didn't get any until they became president? Well, outside of the first dog, which most would not want to own up to. Surely a bilateral contest. But which party is number one?
1: We did this on the show. We did this on the Zoom call.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. So are we doing it again? No, Kevin, just listen to the Zoom call. Check yeah, just listen out.
1: to the Zoom call. But was... um, I, I think what, what it ended up being was uh, kind of an even split. You've got your olden times salacious guys in the in the Dem side for sure. Like, your John no. F. Kennedy's. Come on. Come on, buddy. FDR in a wheelchair got around. Like, there was some stuff going on. Um, and obviously, you got Billy Boy, who's kind of a creep. Um, But then you've also got, you know, Trump clearly, you know, grabbing by the you know what, Uh, you know, you got some stuff on that side, too. You got some you got some. Look, the general rule of thumb with the presidents of the United States in all their entirety, going back all the way to at least Thomas Jefferson, they're scumbags. Every last one of them at some level or another, um, with few exceptions. Um, Abraham Lincoln most likely being one, but who knows? Maybe we'll learn something new in the in the next forever. Could um, you
2: imagine like Abraham Lincoln was like just like the biggest jerk? You didn't know, like you know. No, but there is
1: there so no, the, and there's no speculation about that really. There's speculation that he might have been gay. Um, like he had a traveling business partner when he was a young lawyer that people have tried to suss out in the writings whether or not they were intimate in some way. James cool. Buchanan. There's some speculation about in that regard too, but nothing. This doesn't go into salacious. It's just you know something different that was going on. Um, but there were you know like Thomas Jefferson obviously fathered a child off of a person he owned. That's that's bad. Um, and you've got you you know you got some stuff going going back forever. So there's a lot of um, a lot of pretty awful people who have been president yeah. of the United States. Um, those wig party guys, man, those were, those guys were crazy. Those wigs, (laughs) buddy. Wow. They got all over it. Um, so yeah, but anyway, um, we didn't do a ranking, I would say on the zoom call, but we certainly talked through it. Yeah. Check it out. But thanks. Then we have, uh, Frank in Sacramento. Uh, so for, for new listeners, any new listeners out there, I know there are many of you um we talked about presidents we've talked about presidents a lot the last few weeks and so a lot of these questions are going to be about presidents it's just the way it is and frank has a thing he wants to say truman was great uh just finished david mccallum's 1000 page biography on president harry truman the book shows why he was a top five president in spite of cronyism and nuking japan twice We were going for, quote, unconditional surrender in Japan like we got in the crushed Germany. Invading Japan to get that would have cost a million in Japanese and American lives combined. And waiting for Russia to get involved in the Pacific War would have caused 400 years, 40 years, sorry, of problems like it did in Eastern Europe. Well, fun fact, Frank, we did wait until Russia got involved because it was on about the same day that we nuked Japan that they invaded Manchuria. Uh, Truman also threw off the machine politics of Kansas City when a lot of other presidents were unable to do, uh, do exit, unable to do, unable to exit their controlling masters. going to go with it, whatever. Yeah, maybe. Uh, regarding Reagan, we learned from his administration that you can't gain prosperity from growing your inequality. Also known, no sane federal response to the COVID-19 crisis is a lasting legacy of Reagan's belief that government is the problem.
2: He was kind of all over the place on that one.
1: I think he's being negative towards Reagan, but it's kind of hard to suss out.
2: Dude, is that weird nowadays? Like, I posted something, I tweeted something um, when the L.A. County uh, there was a I forget the spokesperson for the L.A. County. She's I think she's one of the doctors, or she's the I forget what her role is, but she's always giving these updates. And the L.A. Times tweeted out a story saying that you know, LA County saying that we're going to be locked down for three more months, which was sort of a misleading headline. Cause that's not what the article said. It was more about, they were like extending three months, the, um, you know, ability for landlords to evict tenants, something like that. Um, and she had to come on the next day and say, sorry for the confusion. Here's what, you know, we're really, st- we're starting to open things up. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're opening things up more. We're not saying we're going to be shut down for three months. We just don't know, but we're st- we're doing our phases of things up. But I, I retweeted it. I'm like, I'm not a big fan of making these declarations for three months out. Um, when we've only been in this for two months. And if you put any kind of opinion on this, people get on you. This guy, I had to block him. He was just all over me about what's your background and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, I don't know, I have a master's electrical engineer. I'm just telling you, I, I didn't say anything like, I didn't think I said anything salacious, but then there'll be responses. And some of the responses, the whole point of this, Dave, was, I don't know if they're insulting or being like, there someone responded with something about Karening. And I'm like, is that a shot at me? Is that a shot at the, the uh, article? Is that a shot at someone that responded to me? I didn't even know. I'm like, that guy might like me. He might not. I'm not sure. But I, I there was a caroning uh, response. So same thing. Like, I don't like, I'm not sure where Frank is going with this either.
1: Yeah, it's tough. Sometimes you just need more than two sentences to kind of get somebody's context. Or if you're being like a little sarcastic or whatever, you need to really have an obvious one in there. Um, Being too subtle or or just not making your point super clearly. I think what he's saying is no sane federal response to the COVID-19 crisis is a lasting legacy of Reagan's belief that government is the problem. He's not saying that it's a lasting legacy of government being the problem. It's the lasting legacy of Reagan trumpeting that government is the problem. So people are distrustful of government Uh, and so they're not obeying or the federal response itself is a legacy of Reagan's belief in that our current federal government is trying to dismantle the federal government. Like, I think that's what he's going for here. I don't know. Hard to suss out. Um, Okay, as for the main point, Frank, of Truman I think you're. I think you're right-ish. Um, Truman definitely is in that sane group of of ten who are under my top. I think we boiled it down to like top one, but under that top two or three, um, who are actually good, uh, he's in that group of ten. The the nuking of Japan is where you're gonna lose me, um, especially the nuking of Nagasaki. Uh, you can get me on Hiroshima. I, I fine, I'm not fine, but you can make the argument that they were trying to, you know, shock and awe and just get it over with right then. I still think it was probably not something that needed to be done that wouldn't have been solved with just a blockade until December and then the war's over anyway, because Japan was pretty much teetering on the brink at that point. And if you go read any of the contemporaneous writings or talk from the generals and admirals who were actually fighting the thing, many, 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 many of them, including a lot of the top guys, didn't think it was necessary. Now, some of that might have been egotism. You know, we wanted to finish it ourselves or whatever. But I think a lot of it was just facts on the ground. Uh, they didn't need to, you know, drop bombs that they didn't really know even what they would really do at that point. Um, so and there's there's even some people who say the firebombing was – Over and above what actually needed to happen. Well, and also over and above what actually needed to happen, Um, that simply blockading the islands. Because if you remember, the whole reason Japan was invading everybody is that they didn't have enough resources on their islands to continue essentially their way of life, but to do any kind of expansion. If you cut off that country from not only, you know, the rest of the world, but simply Manchuria and Southeast Asia, where they were getting a lot of their resources their whole war machine was going to fall apart pretty much immediately. Um, And you could have just blockaded it until the government fell or until the people just had enough. Um, So there were other options. Um, There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of speculation for why we dropped the bombs. Some of it was we had them, we had built them, we had invested a lot of money in them. So we wanted to use them. Um, And You know, it's it's going to go down as one of those things that we were the victors. We won the war. So we get to write the history about it and we get to say it's, you know, not a war crime or whatever. But think about this scenario where I don't know, Germany gets the bomb first because they had a burgeoning uh, nuclear program much more so than Japan did. And they bomb Buffalo and Orlando. Somehow they get they get the ability to do that. And then they still lose. Um, is there any officer in the German army above the rank of like lieutenant who wouldn't have been executed for war crimes
2: for doing that? Interesting. I haven't think like that. And, way. and but
1: we won, so we get to say it's not a war crime. But it's yeah. I mean, it's a it's a pure and utter attack on civilian populations. The same thing as the firebombing, but. I think you can make a fair claim that the firebombing is also a war crime. Um, And for the Americans to do it when the Americans uh, uniquely in this war didn't suffer really any civilian casualties or significant, I mean, uh, aside from what happened with um, our own internment of Japanese civilians, um, didn't really suffer any kind of civilian casualties in the war to then enact. Two of the most devastating acts um, on the Allied side, at least,
2: towards civilian populations. It's,
1: you know. I mean, there's, not great. There's,
2: there's 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 some questionable stuff. I mean, the I've done a lot of reading about the Pacific War and stuff, and what what we were trying to do, I mean, the the thing with Pearl Harbor was always there, you know, trying to to, you know, get back at, at Japan and take back the Philippines and all that kind of stuff. And there was some I think when the, the, some of the stuff that was happening to the prisoners of war um, was, was devastating. I mean, those, there's war crimes going on uh, that with just whatever it was, but trying to get back to Japan when you do it one Island at a time and the attitude was never surrender. So you, you surround the Island, you bomb the Island and the, the soldiers aren't surrendering. They have to go on, but you know, you know, inch by inch and take the islands back. I think that was the mindset, right? We're going into like, if we have to do this for the, you know, for the mainland of, of Japan, it's just going to take, yeah, it's going to cost millions of lives. And, um, but dropping those bombs, they were supposed to be, uh, Hey, this is going to be a finale to it. Like, look, then th- you have to surrender at this point. Um, but like you said, the firebombing, when they were firebombing Tokyo because of the, the way everything was constructed because of the architecture, I mean, that, I think that was more devastating because I, I believe with the here you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, there were leaflets dropped, like wanting the civilian population to get out. But it's like, you're bombing, firebombing Tokyo and like burning it to the ground. Like, I think that was, you know, actually more devastating than the, you know, the nuclear ones last longer and everything. But yeah, there was a lot of weird stuff, but I I think the whole point was, we have to get this war over faster. Um, You could question if that was really the right way to go, but they didn't want to go in and lose, you know, a million soldiers trying to get Japan to surrender.
1: Yeah. I mean, they dropped leaflets over a lot of cities, urging um, citizens to flee. Um, so it was kind of a common thing. Um, but, like, where are people supposed to go? They dropped leaflets over a lot of cities and firebombed a lot of them. Um, yeah. So
2: I I don't know. I, yeah. I, it's, it's, it it's is it's. where the firebombing doesn't get talked about as much as because of, you know. No, the, it was
1: way more devastating. And, and what we did to Dresden, I mean, we... we And that was that was obviously the British a ton, too. But um, yeah, I mean, this stuff doesn't get talked about because, again, the Allies won the war um, and, you know, they were seen. And the the explanation after the fact is exactly the one you're saying, which is, oh, we saved millions of lives because we did this thing. Um, But. A blockade of of an island can work, especially an island where their ships require resources that are outside of those islands. Um, oh. Like the whole thing was they needed oil from Southeast Asia. Well, if you cut off the oil from Southeast Asia, um, Japan can't move its ships anymore. And then if they can't move their ships anymore, they can't break through a blockade. And if they can't break through a blockade, it's just a ticking clock. That's yeah. all it is. So anyway, what I'm saying here is, is that Truman was very good. My one complication with Truman is the dropping of the bombs. Maybe FDR would have done it too. And if FDR had done it, maybe he would have dropped out of the list. But he died. And then Truman did it. So that's where you are.
2: All right. Uh, We got Tyler. Question for the show. Hey, guys. I was wondering if uh, you think there will be any lasting changes to recruiting due to the coronavirus, such as tactics or styles of recruiting, Or will recruiting go back to completely normal by next year's recruiting cycle? Thanks from Tyler. Mm. Interesting question. I just talked to, um, just did an interview with uh, a recruit named Michael Jackson, who's out of uh, Las Vegas. uh, He's a three-star wide receiver. Um, A lot, a lot of Pac-12 schools are in on him, and you know, it's. I've talked to a few prospects during this and they want to play. They want to be able to play their high school seasons. And you know, a lot of kids are committing earlier than they were before. I think twice as many kids are committed right now than they were at a year ago at this time. So it's changed for this year, for sure. Will it change going forward? I don't know if the, I mean, it, if anything, it might accelerate the process. And I, what, what Michael told me today is something I hadn't thought about with all the kids committing right now, David, he might commit earlier. He, he, he might commit earlier than he was planning on it because spots fill up so it's sort of like the the toilet paper thing once you people start talking about hey there's no toilet paper you want to go get some toilet paper well once kids start committing early more kids commit early because then they want to make sure they get a spot and it sort of just starts this domino effect um so it's definitely happening now i don't know i i i'm not sure it's going to be long term if if football is going to be about the same i think it might go back to normal but i could see it being you know different forever what do you think Yeah,
1: I think uh, a lot of things are going to be different for a while, a long time. I think the functions of recruiting are going to be different. Um, I can't see, like, I don't know. This, I mean, it ties into, like, how is life going to be different? Like, and I'm talking from, like, the coaches recruiting players standpoint. Are there going to be such a thing as in-home visits where you're, like, inviting a coach who has to, like, go visit a bunch of different kids all over the place and inviting them into your home to, like, share a meal with, like, your parents and your grandparents and that sort of crap. I don't know. Not inviting too many strangers over. Right. Yeah. I mean, and all that kind of stuff. I just don't know if that's going to be, if anything's going to look like that again, Um, or really any of this stuff Um, as for the timelines. Yeah. And I think we have another question about that. So I don't want to talk about it too much because Hithliday did some um, graphing for us. look at um but it's about how the timeline has sped up a little bit the cycle around and i've got some theories about that but i think that will um maybe not be a lasting change i think that might be a response to the uncertainty right now um and as this gets further and further along and we start getting more and more certain certainly into a new world where things are going to just be different forever maybe things settle back down but right now when there's uncertainty i think people are trying to secure their futures they're trying to secure their spots Gotcha. Um, so guys are committing earlier. Um, but no, I think the whole function of a lot of things is going to change and recruiting will definitely be one of those because it's a lot of personal connection. It's a lot of face to face and it simply can't be, um, going forward for at least the next probably couple of years. Um, so that'll change some things. There'll be more remote, you know, talking. I'm sure zoom will now be a real thing that people are using to talk and meet kids and do the whole thing. Um, and it'll just be different. Yeah. All right, uh, we've got Andy. Ready for Andy? Yep. Tight end coaches, my favorite topic. Greetings. I fell way behind on listening to your show, but have recently found myself with a plethora of time, so I decided to play catch-up. I made it to the April 14th episode, so sorry if this has been answered or no one cares by now, the more likely scenario. Uh, Hithliday was asking about curious hirings and firings in the UW program, mainly Jordan PowPow. Pow, pow. Uh, The general consensus was that he couldn't recruit and only got players that fell into his lap. The success of U-Dub's tight ends under his watch was allegedly due to their own athletic ability. While the tight ends have been known to be good blockers, their route running was subpar. I'm no insider and don't study film, so this is all an amalgamation of what I've heard and read. Hope this helps you sleep better, Hithliday. Thanks for the podcast, Ryan and Dave. Warmest regards, Andy. Thank you for that clarification. On the UW tight end coach situation. It's been we a big will, topic. we will keep yeah. you, we will keep you informed as the
2: situation develops. <laughs> uh we got this one from Brennan in Kansas. It says question not spam. Uh Ryan and Dave, first off, appreciate the Zoom call and getting to meet everyone. His question: uh staying in the off-season mode. I figured I'd ask. What do y'all think every head coach's alcoholic drink of choice is? I think Helton's is a dirty Shirley. Mm. I don't know okay. what a dirty Shirley is. Is that like a Shirley Temple, but it's with alcohol? Probably like a Shirley Temple with like vodka in it. Yeah. I What's guess. a Shirley Temple? It's got like grenadine.
1: I don't know. Some disgusting. Cherries. Yeah. Uh, I think I used Her- to. My, Herm, my, Herm has never touched
2: a drop of alcohol in his life. Okay you so um, would have a, a, a Duels or something.
1: Uh someone is uh whiskey neat.
2: Yeah. I was thinking like scotch and soda or something, but yeah, okay. No, no, with... no,
1: no, 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 no. I'm I'm thinking about this all wrong. Someone is something that you can drink easily. Like you can just take it down. Like a shot or something. Yeah, someone's a Jager bomb. A <laughs> bomb? Okay. All right. Um Kyle Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham's Mormon, right?
2: Uh, I believe so. Okay, so, so probably nothing from him. Either.
1: Whiskey neat. Um, <laughs> Carl Durrell also never dropped, touched a drop alcohol in his
2: life. For real? Like is that? It, like, uh,
1: no, I'm just going like Herm and Carl are both military guys. Yeah, like, they're both got that like. Like Carl, pro- no, Carl no, 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 no. I got I got Carl. I got Carl. Carl's okay. red wine. Carl is red wine. A hundred percent. Carl is red wine. You don't he think has- that. They- I would he say has David precisely, precisely one glass of red wine a night, okay. and not like one of those filled glasses, like you know, like that's half the bottle of wine. No, he's having like what's a proper amount of wine every night to keep his heart healthy. All right, all right, uh, Chip Kelly, uh, Corona.
2: I think, I think that's exactly right. Actually, I think so too. Because I. Uh, I actually had a beer with him once, and I think that's what he had. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, Clay
2: Helton. Uh, we probably got to go with the Dirty Shirley since that was the yeah, suggestion.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, David Shaw's White Wine.
2: Okay, you go White Wine with him? That's
1: Stanford. That's Stanford, baby.
2: All right. With um, a little cheese and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Will Wilcox is... uh. I'm going to go with the Irish Car Bomb.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh. Mario Cristobal, he's an offensive lineman,
2: Yeah. so that opens up a world of possibilities. I'm going like Budweiser or something there.
1: I've seen some weird things happen with offensive linemen. I knew an offensive lineman at UCLA who drank in—I don't want to say an entire handle of vodka in a single night, but it wasn't, like, not the entirety of it. Okay. Some of it spilled on him, for sure, and by the end he was a sloppy (laughs) mess— (laughs) <laughs> um but he drank a lot uh you think Cristobal's just like just beer he can just pound like 30 beers in a night and it's probably fine
2: yeah uh, I I'd go with that but if you have some a better idea if you want him to say he's like a Tito's guy I, I'll go with that too yeah I mean he's, Tito's. He's he's a vodka guy you talk about like Florida he's coming from Florida like could it be a Cooper Libre or something like because he I know, mean maybe
1: to... maybe Maybe he's getting so after like a it.
2: spice, like a Maybe a rum. Maybe spiced rum. Spiced rum? Maybe he's rum just maybe. drinking...
1: But spiced rum, now you're talking... Like, he's it's, a captain it's, guy? It's, it's, it's geographically appropriate, but I don't think it's appropriate to the man Cristobal is. Okay. So vodka. We're going vodka. We're going Tito's. All right. All right. Jonathan Smith. Jonathan Smith strikes me as like a Keystone Light guy.
2: Yeah, but then he's got the library. Oh so my I'm... God, I forgot about the library.
1: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> so I... Maybe yeah. he just drinks, he drinks an old fashioned. He drinks like two old would, fashions every night. I was say night. something like that. Like an old fashioned, like it's kind of, a, and it's, it's not like cubed ice. It's like a chunk of ice. Like the one, I, that's my favorite, by the way, if you make a, a, a good old fashioned one block of ice, not a whole bunch of cubes, like you got one big chunk of it in there. So I think that's what he drinks. Jimmy
1: likes something funny. I'm guessing he's got like a sidecar in him. I think his favorite <laughs> drink is a sidecar. Okay. <laughs> And then, uh, uh, I would say Rolovich is like a pina colada. Something Because I, I think what Rolovich is, he's he's a no shame guy, right? Yeah. Obviously, he's a no shame guy, and it could what, be a strawberry what's, margarita
2: what's, or something. Yeah. No, he could something exactly.
1: Like what's tastier than a strawberry margarita or a pina colada? Right. Yeah. He's like, no, I don't want to taste something that tastes like garbage. I want to drink something that tastes good. Pina colada. Give yeah. me I'd a pina colada. More.
2: What about a Mai Tai? He's coming from Hawaii.
1: Yeah, no, he's drinking something tasty. Like we're on the same page. He's drinking something that actually tastes good. Because the thing is, we cited a bunch of drinks here. Here's the dirty secret of alcohol. Almost none of it tastes good. We've all convinced (laughs) ourselves it does. All we're saying is it tastes fine enough that I can drink this while I get my head bad. That's all. Um, Pina Colada, though, it tastes great. Yeah. You
2: could suck those down all day. I like it. Uh, maybe maybe a oh could we go uh, like Miami Vice for Cristobal? Like that's maybe that's a little too that's a little too uh, is wrong. that a little too on the nose? <laughs> maybe, but those are good. Wait, um, what is it? It's pina colada and uh, daiquiri like mixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 fun stuff. Okay, well,
1: that was good. Nice. Is is it me next? Uh, I think so. All right, this is from somebody on our Zoom. I think it might be Joe. Uh, Thanks for hosting the Zoom, fellas. In between my daughter playing the xylophone, getting scalded, not scolded, giving my kids a bath, and getting yelled at by my wife, I appreciate you all putting this on. Next time, please make Dave stay up later, past 7 p.m. Pacific, to ensure I can fully participate. We can do it later next time. Yeah, we could.
2: Yeah. Dave stays up late. I stay up late. I like it. Thanks for participating. Um, yeah, it was do, fun. Actually. Yeah. Uh, whoa, this is a blast from the past. Um, Terrian, uh I believe he's in Las Vegas. Oh, he's, it's UNLV, UNLV Athletic Director to UCLA. Um, hi, Dave and Ryan. Dave, what are your thoughts about the U- UNLV's Athletic Director, uh, Desiree Reed Francois, being a candidate for the UCLA Athletic Director position? The local paper here in Las Vegas quoted John Wilner saying she is, quote, near the top of the UCLA search committee's wish list, if not the preferred candidate. I thought UCLA would be looking for a person with more experience running an athletic department. UCLA hired uh, Reed Francois just short of three years ago, summer of 2017, and this was her first job heading up a department. Keep doing a great job, you two, Tarion. I've heard really good things about her. Um, Yeah,
1: honestly, I've Uh, There's a lot of consternation on the UCLA message board about her and uh, somewhat on Twitter. And I don't I don't I must confess, I don't really get it um, by look, I I don't I don't know a whole lot about like the ins and outs of her booster relations, which is seems to be like the source of some of the criticism that like some football boosters at the at UNLV don't love her because she hired. Marcus Arroyo, and they thought UNLV could do better somehow. When UNLV is just just got done hiring a high school coach for that job, um, so I I don't really get the source of the the frustration with her. What I know is this: um, at Virginia Tech, she played a huge role in hiring Justin Fuente from Memphis, which hasn't been a great fit so far. Um, but that was a great hire at the time; like that was a that was seen as a coup. So doing that. That's a that's a feather in her cap. And then at UNLV, she's hired uh, Marcus Arroyo. So a Pac-12 coordinator from a Rose Bowl winning team, whatever you think about Arroyo. And I don't I don't think he was any great shakes, but she hired him for the head coaching job, which is a coup for UNLV. Like That's a that's a way above average hire for UNLV, because, again, they literally just hired the local high school coach last time that job came open. Um, and then on the basketball side, she hired an up and comer, uh, TJ Otzombeck. Otzelnberger, some crap like that. Who was the South Dakota State head coach? Um, had developed a reputation as one of the best recruiters in the West. Was you know an assistant at Washington for a while. So two pretty good hires for UNLV. Um, no, neither of those would be ideal hires at UCLA. But you would think you know a, a higher tier job, better candidate pool. Um, but I, that's pretty good at UNLV. She did some good work at Virginia Tech. Um, She handled, I want to say she helped out with uh, the basketball hire at Tennessee, Um, maybe when they hired Quanzo Martin. I don't know. Um, So anyway, uh, I think she is solid um, and potentially very good. So I don't really get the consternation. Um, And then uh, there's a couple other options. I think Martin Jarman from uh, Boston College is another one who's also an up and comer type. Um, made an interesting hire at Boston College for their football job, um, the Ohio State co-DC um, uh, Halfley, who may or may not be any good. We'll see. But um, no, Reed Francois, as far as I can tell, she seems pretty good.
2: Yeah. So uh, thanks for that question, uh, Terry. And, I, you know, I like it. There was The uh, Athletic just did a, a piece on Brandon Sosna, who's like the 27-year-old guy that basically is the number two dude in the USC athletic department. I've met him a few times. I've talked with him a bunch. I'm really impressed with him. He's a young kid. I mean, he's 27, but he's smart. I mean, he's way smarter than the guys that were working at USC before, you know? And so if you can identify someone that maybe doesn't have all the experience in the world, but you see that they are good at what their job is and you interview her and you think that it's going to work, even, you know, do you need to wait for her to have five more years of athletic director experience? Or do you say, you know what? I think she can do it. It's a risk. You know, there's going to be a risk there, but that's, you want people, you want people that can identify good talent. And it doesn't matter if the talent's only been around for a few years or if they've been around for 20, you know? So I think then you have to worry about who's making the call and do you trust their judgment? And if they, they, you trust them, you think they're good at this and they pick her, uh, you know, you got to let her do her job. So I, yeah, that's what I think. And she
1: doesn't, and she's not like, uh, she's not like a meathead either. Like she's got a legit degree. She's a lawyer from Arizona too. I mean, whatever. She's probably pretty smart. Yeah. Just let her do her job. She'll be great. Yeah. Whatever. Who cares? It's an athletic director. You don't know going in <laughs> unless they're awful, unless they're absolutely terrible. And, you know, from the jump, it's a terrible hire, which is like basically every AD USC has hired for like the last 20 years. Uh, unless you know that from the jump, you don't know. She looks like she has the bona fides that she could be good. And that's all you can really ask for. Yeah. Um. Okay is it me next yeah we got the one last one all right uh okay uh it's Hifla Day. my flores Adús. Aduce, ad you care you
2: no I I, I I looked
1: this up it's Mayflowers or april showers bring Mayflowers. in what language is it uh latin this is latin again a latin okay uh, any thoughts on, Bud Elliott's article noting that there are more than double the number of national commitments in the 2021 cycle, as there have been at the same point in the previous three cycles. If it were a natural adaptation to the early signing period, we probably would have seen a steady growth instead of this huge jump. So it's probably related to COVID-19, but I can't figure out why that would be an acceleration of horizontal recruiting because fellow athletes on social media are the only voices in their ear. Now, do you agree with Elliott's speculation that we'll see a big wave of decommitments later in the cycle? Uh, as I as I speculated earlier, I think it is a direct response to the uncertainty everything everyone is feeling right now. Yeah. Same reason that people went out and bought toilet paper. The same reason that your store is still sold out of hand, hand sanitizer. Same reason um, people stuck in bad jobs are keeping are holding on to those jobs with white knuckles right now uh, because nobody knows what's going to happen. So kids have offers from schools that look pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I commit. And, uh, just, you know, I hope you still have football when I get there. Um, I think I would be interested to see if this, um, I, I might have to read the bud article. Um, but if this is the same sort of ratio for top tier prospects as it is for like lower tier prospects, or if there's more, uh, a heavier prevalence of lower tier prospects committing early, yeah. um, like if that is even more outsized compared to the norm, because I could see that being the case and still, you know, your average five star is still, you know, kind of waiting and seeing. Um, but that would be my guess that it's it's purely a, a, in the face of uncertainty looking for some security.
2: I agree with you. It's It's completely COVID-19 related. It's not because of the early signing period because that's been around for a couple of years. I think part of it is coaches have a lot more time to recruit right now as well because they're not doing what they normally would be doing. It's an extended dead period, so you can't go on visits. You don't know if you're going to be able to go on visits. So if you have an opportunity, you know the local school or whatever it is, you know where you want to go. You want to get your spot, and you commit on the spot. So when you have potential for visits, you have the potential to be wowed by new schools. If you don't think you're going to have that potential anymore, you kind of stick with what you got. I know this school. This is the one I like right now. Um, so if I had to commit today, I'm going to commit because, well, I'm not going to be able to visit the school anyway. I won't be able to find out if I like them, but I wouldn't underestimate the power of these coaches being all they can do really is recruit. So they're recruiting a lot harder right now because they're not coaching as much. So I I think that's part of it too.
1: Yeah. And how many parents are just saying to their kids also, so like how often is it that the local school is the one who's first on kids who are local, right? And how many parents are saying to their kids right now? Yeah. You're not going away. You're staying home. Yeah. And so you're gonna you're gonna go to a school that's within fifteen miles of this home. Um, you know, and I, I imagine there's a lot more of that going on. Um, you know, these are all unsourced that speculations and you can easily prove this wrong if you want, Hitler Day, but um, I would guess just a confluence of all of these factors, you know, security, stay home, the thing you know over the potential unknowns, um, all these things playing a factor. Yeah. But again, this is something that I could see getting corrected back. As soon as there's some understanding of where we are, we're still really early in this thing. Like it's still I know it feels like it's been seven years, but it's only two months since like the real lockdown started and everything. And people are still feeling their way through what this is all going to look like once we've got some sense of normality around it. Like, oh, yeah. OK, well, so when we go outside, we just have to wear masks. We can't touch people. We can't, you know, hang out in, in the interior of a restaurant, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, But once those things are just, this is the normal way we operate. Restaurants are now being built where it's all patio seating or whatever it is. um, Then things will get back to some sort of normal. There'll still, there'll go back to being visits, but instead of the visits, you know, going to a restaurant, it's all going to be open air. Whatever. I don't know. But you know, I'll be back to some of that stuff. But I wouldn't. I would be interested to see if like long term if this diminishes the number of guys who go way out of state for school, yeah, like just from a standpoint of, I don't really want to sit on an airplane. Yeah. I don't really want to sit on an airplane ever again.
2: Yeah. It's weird. USC got a commitment from a Texas running back who had never even been to, he hasn't been to USC. He's just, he committed <laughs> been there yet. So I don't know. Maybe you get some of that too, where you want to get away from where you are. Maybe um, totally. And I, the one thing though, Hitler day is what if, some states have high school football and other states don't. Are we going to see reclassifications going up? Are we going to see transferring? It's like, say you're, you know, there's a prospect in LA that they they can't play high school football, but he's got an uncle that lives in Vegas or something. Does he go there and, and play there? I don't know. I mean, there, there could be some weird stuff going on in this cycle, but uh it, you know it remains to be seen if it affects things going forward. But right now, I definitely this is the COVID 19 effect. And and like you said, with the toilet paper stuff, if if people were just not committing much, then that, that probably would have been the trend. But now people are committing earlier and it's just going to I think it's going to keep happening. It's going to snowball and you're going to see a ton of commits. And like in the other point he brought up was the decommits. Yeah, I mean that that's very common now anyway. I think it's just one of those things where it's like you're flipping you flipped 300 coins last year. You're flipping 600 coins. Like, There's going to get a lot more heads, too, because you flipped so many more coins. You just – so many more kids committing. I think there's going to be more decommitments, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: All right. Good stuff. Hey, real quick – that's probably not going to be real quick. Where do you stand on – you were talking about the outside stuff, the outside seating. Uh, California just announced um, retail stores can open, but you have to – you can't go in. And it can't be stores that are like in a mall. So like the outdoor thing seems to be positive. Um, the, you know, you see different studies where it seems like it's really rare that someone catches this from being outside. Now you could like grab a doorknob where there's people that touch mm-hmm. it before, but I'm kind of into the whole thing. It was like, yeah, man, we could do a whole bunch of stuff outside and you should be able to do that. Are you, is that, be, is that too simplistic or do you think that's, uh, there's some validity there?
1: There's definitely some validity to doing the stuff outside by all accounts. Um, I think sitting down and eating a meal with like a bunch of people in tight quarters, even outside is still you're still going to run into some problems there. Um, people chewing, people sneezing, people, you know, talking loudly. I mean, even with like outside wind and all that kind of stuff, you're still going to run into, you know, probably some level of transmission, I would guess. I, I don't know. I mean, I, nobody knows. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff you can do to mitigate. Taking things outdoors is probably better than having them indoors. So if we decide that we need to have restaurants, we need to have these things, then yes, take them outside. Um, probably make... The the thing is, we have so much of our society is built on efficiency, or at least perceived efficiency. And by perceived efficiency, I just mean profit motive. Um, so grocery store aisles are narrow for a reason you can fit more crap in them um you know restaurants are designed the way they are for a reason you can fit more tables and more patrons in them um and to fit a social distancing world which look i don't know if you've read some of these uh prevalence studies um that are now coming out that are more legitimate than the the california stuff that came out a few weeks ago but Spain just did one. So Spain was super hard hit, right? The government did a study, the antibody testing. They tested 70,000 people randomly across the country, just kind of picked households at random. So completely legitimate study, not biased in any way in the selection group. And they found that only 5% of people had it or had had it based on the antibodies in their system. So that's not great. If we're sitting here and we're saying that was a hard hit country, very hard hit. And they only had 5% of people get it, which means 95% of people didn't, which means there's still a lot of people out there who can get the sucker. Um, And we are probably right around that, maybe, hopefully. Um, But what that means is we've got a long way to go on this thing if we don't end up with a vaccine or if the vaccine takes a while or whatever. So, I mean, we have to prepare for a new world where we have to kind of just have this as an operating thing that we have to deal with. Now, obviously, there's a lot of things that can happen, maybe over time, over the next three or four years. Basically, everybody gets it, develops some sort of immunity to it. And then the next time they get it, it's more like the flu. And then the next time they get it, it's more like a cold or whatever. Um, But it's still going to be a big deal, an ongoing concern for probably a couple of years. And in that world, do you kind of have to change the way these things operate? Do you have to change the way businesses are structured? Do you have to change the way restaurants are set up? Do you have to change the way grocery stores are set up? All these things, if we're going to actually do them, because the restaurant industry, it doesn't work at 25 percent capacity the way it's set up. Like, it's not like, oh, we're going to drop it down to 25 percent capacity and all these restaurants will still make money. No, they're going to lose a shitload of money at 25 percent capacity a lot of these places are basically subsistence at 80% capacity. Like, it's it's not, um, it's not an easy industry. Um, grocery stores famously don't have good margins. So if you limit the number of people who can get in them, then uh, are these going to be profitable enterprises? Um, so it's, we've got a lot of weird gut check things that we need to do as a society. And I think a lot of people, look, everybody needs a break. I think a lot of people are just kind of, I've been doing this for two months, and this is this was sold to me as a temporary thing, and now it's frustrating, and I'm sick of it. And I get that totally, but the reality is it's not a temporary thing. It's not going to be a temporary thing, and if it is, it's a semi-temporary thing. It's going to be a semi-permanent thing for probably a couple of years at least, and in that scenario, you kind of have to get used to a new normal, and we all have to get used to a new normal, and it's not as simple as, when can I go out to a restaurant again? It's like, what is that even going to look like, you know? Am I wearing a mask to the restaurant? Do yeah. I take it off when I eat? Do I just kind of sneak the food in under the mask? Like, how's this work? Um, so I don't yeah, know.
2: Drinking—that's the, the biggest problem with the mask—is you can't. Yeah,
1: drink. yeah, yeah. Are you gonna pour that fluid through the mask? Is your is your mask just gonna stink all the time? Like, what's gonna happen? Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's uh, and thinking through all the like ramifications of everything. I don't think. I don't think any people, any single person can wrap their head around the whole thing. I think it's all of a piece and, um, figuring out, you know, people need to get ahead of it and people need to figure out how their industries are going to change and what accommodations they can make with their existing, you know, enterprises and what accommodations they can't. Um, and, uh, yeah. So anyway, long story short, yeah, taking restaurants outside might help, but, um, Uh, it's uh, the end result is going to be probably something more than that. Like they're going to have to change the entire way this thing operates. And maybe it's, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier, I think was it off air about open container laws and Hermosa and how they're, you know, kind of de facto relaxing a lot of that stuff. Maybe it's, you know, you make a lot of these areas more walkable, you know, you take, because people aren't going to be driving as much. Right. Because I think a lot of businesses are going to keep doing work from home for a long, long time. Yeah. So if they do that, maybe you close more streets, you make more streets walkable and people, you know, it's a lot more curbside pickup, but like you walk up, you pick up your food and then you walk with friends down the middle of the street, you know, you need a Could place stuff to, like
2: that. That's the pr- biggest problem now is because you need a place to, to sit like, so right now you can go down to Hermosa pier and get like drinks to go. They come in a bag. They have to sell you a little food with it. So they might be like a bag of chips or something. Um, but there's not really a place to go. They have some park benches, but I don't think you're supposed to be sitting on them and, and enjoying your drink. Um, if you buy dinner at some place, you can't you know you can't sit in their outdoor areas. You have to take it home or take it somewhere else. There's all that. But there's I'm I'm worried about the viability of all those things too, David. Because I talked to one of the owners down there. He owns a, several of the, the the restaurants, and he's got. They're trying to open up different locations for to go stuff. He's got a couple of his open and a couple haven't been. But it's not easy to get people, too, because he said a lot of his servers are getting almost more money or in some cases more money from their unemployment than they were getting when they were working. And they're, they're like, oh, I'm going to stay not working for now. I'm just going to go for hikes and stuff. So, there's, yeah, there's a lot. Of, I mean, this is going to change. The whole industry has got to change. Um, I don't know what it's going to be. But I love going to restaurants and bars. I'd be bummed if you're not going to be able to do that the way we used to in the future.
1: Well, I mean, and it's, I mean, obviously that's one, and we could talk for hours about this, but like every industry, I mean, car manufacturers, anybody buying a car right now?
2: You see the, the, it's funny. You see commercials for where they're doing these, like, uh, you can do test drives on your own. There's, they've, they've, they've done a lot. A lot of the dealerships have put stuff in place where they everything's sanitized and. You get keys that have never been yeah, touched or there. you know, anybody buying a car right now? Yeah. I think that's what they're trying to do to get people to buy cars, but I don't right, know. But, the, they are. but,
1: but, but, and they're doing those things because they're probably in a crunch, but like you're not. So, I mean, but like simple economics, simple reality, you're not putting as many miles on your car right now. That's true. So yeah. your car is going to last longer. So you're not going to buy as many cars. And so it's not on the individual level, but on the mass scale, um, this is going to be thousands upon thousands of cars that are not bought. So what happens to that industry? Um, all these things. And there, and it's going to be a lasting change again. Like it's not as if people – so these states that have opened up, Georgia, my own, it's not like everyone just suddenly said, oh, we're going back to work. My work hasn't really gone back to work. It's still work from home, um, most – Businesses in Georgia are still work from home, even though the governor has basically said, well, "Okay, well, you guys can start going back to work now." Um, opening up isn't going to be this like sudden process where everyone's suddenly back at work. Um, it's just not the way it's going to work out. And um, if that doesn't happen, then all of these like knock-on effects are going to happen. Like you won't have, um, you know, <laughs> like lunchtime restaurants just are going to be done, like just going to cease to exist. But, um, yeah, car industry, um, the airline industry, how much of the airline industry is business travel. That's just never going to come back. How much of the hospitality industry generally is just business travel. That's not going to come back for a very long time. If ever, um, yeah. there's just a lot of things that it's not even like the reality of a shutdown that affected it. It's the reality of this virus that, a lot of these things that we previously took for granted that were actual things like, oh, going to conferences for your work or all this kind of stuff. Just no, that's not going to happen anymore. People learned that Zoom works and suddenly, yeah. you know, they're just going to do all that stuff on Zoom. Um, so it's already changed a lot of stuff. It's going to continue to change a lot of stuff. And what emerges afterwards is going to be really, really interesting to see.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, good show. Man, we've over an hour and a half, Dave. Pretty good. Woohoo! Nice. But thanks again for everyone that came on the Zoom call. Thanks for listening. And please go out and uh, go to your Apple podcast app and leave us a five-star review. We do appreciate that greatly. Um, Well, that's Dave. I'm Ryan. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for uh, checking in. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.
0: Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.